This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Oh, do you know what? Do you know what? I really love church. I love church. I love this church. I love this church. Do you love church? Oh, but I love Jesus more. Yeah? Yeah? That's that's okay, Pastor, isn't it? Yes, good. I should have probably should have checked that before saying it publicly. But there we go, I did it. And do you know what I love? I love that we're family. So this morning, you know, there's all ages, all demographics are repre- represented here, you know. And we've got people taking communion. And we've got our little babies taking communion alongside you. They've gone out to have their own church. And so today, when I address you today, I'm addressing you as my family. Is that okay? Because, 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 because... Because of the wonderful things he does. Yes? Okay, so we're going to whiz on. We've had the memory verse up once. And I think it's really, really important to get that into our, into our core, into our being. It's really fantastic as a church, as a family, to be focusing on that one thing together, which is, of course, the light of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. His light has been shed abroad for us, church. So that is our focus. That is our verse for the year. And I just want to think about, you know, things moving on from 2017. You know, some I, I know how some of you had it a time in 2017 some of you i don't know so well yet so i'm not so sure but hopefully over 2018 that's going to change and we get to know each other better and we have deeper relationships with each other but i know this much i know this much that god wants us to leave 2017 in 2017 and he wants us to move forward in 2018 into all all the fullness of jesus christ and everything that he has for us he doesn't want you looking back he wants you looking forward he doesn't want you dwelling he wants you focusing he doesn't want you sad he wants you glad do you understand and that's why the things that happen they shape us they do our experiences shape us and like any experience the emotional processing that goes into that can make you or break you so what you have to do is focus and drill right down into the word of God so that you are processing it in a healthy way. So when the time comes to leave it where it is, you can take the lessons you need to learn, but it no longer breaks you or defines you. It has changed you more like Christ to focus on the next year ahead. Does that make sense? So as we move forward with the memory verse at the front, we are now moving from a place where maybe in the past we've believed in what is called a relative truth where Jesus has been a relative truth to you. What that means is it's changeable according to circumstance. But what we need to do, the direct opposite of a relative truth is an absolute truth. And an absolute truth does not change when it change finds. It is not changeable. It is fixed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. So we focus on an absolute truth, which is Christ Jesus, the one and only Son of the Most High God. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so from the relative truth of 2017, we now focus on the absolute truth that Jesus wants to bring to us in 2018. Are you with me? Or is it just me? I have thrown away my festive tobler on everyone. It's a new year. We press on. So... We are moving on. And this moving on requires transformation. And transformation is only transformation when it happens from the inside out. 
So we can um, act a certain way, we can behave a certain way, we can modify ourselves in certain ways so that outwardly we look like one thing but inwardly we are quite another. What Christ requires is change in, his, in your innermost parts, church, so that anything that is being shown on the outwards is directly because you have changed on the inside. So that what you are pouring out and putting into other people's lives, that's because it's already in you. So that change is sustainable. Do you know why it's sustainable? Because we become more and more and more and more Christ-like. Yes? As you change like Christ, you become more Christ-like. The more Christ-like you become, the more like Christ you are to other people. The more like Christ you are to other people, the more Christ-like you become. It goes on and on and on in a never-ending cycle of gorgeousness and beauty. Because that is our Father. Amen? So that's your focus. Here endeth the message. Have a lovely day. Um, and... Um, I'll see you next year. No, right. Before we move to the scripture, and I'm going to pray in a minute, I want us to remember that before we are called to something, we are called to someone. Right? Before you are called to something, there may be dreams in your heart. Nurture them. Keep them there. That's important. But before you're called to that, you are called to worship the Most High God. And never lose sight of that. Your dream should never be bigger than your God. Your desires should never be bigger than your God. That's what you want for yourself should never take the place of God. Do you understand? You are submitted entirely to his will. And what he desires for you becomes what you desire for yourself. So all those hidden dreams, perhaps the ones we don't tell people because we think they might be a bit silly or people might mock us, that's fine. You have, Mary treasured all these things in her heart, didn't she? You keep them there. And if it's God's will, he'll bring them about. Not for your glory, his glory. Because we surrender to his glory. Why? For his glory. It's not about us. If there's anything to be learned for 2018, it's we no longer matter. It's all about Jesus. Don't you love him, though? Isn't he just wonderful? He's so wonderful. He is so beautiful. And we're going to put up Micah 6. And I want us to know another thing. So before you're called to something, you're called to someone. And it's this as well, okay? Do not reserve spiritual things for spiritual times, spiritual places, and spiritual people. Locate Jesus in the totality of your life. Do you get it? So don't bother just being a Christian here on a Sunday morning. Do you understand what I'm saying now? This might be a bit challenging this morning. I make no apology, okay? Because change isn't easy. Some of us love it, okay? But change can't, but sometimes isn't easy for people and it is sometimes challenging for people and it sometimes hurts, okay? But you have to remember that God loves you and he's a good, good father. So any change he wants to affect, he does so in a loving, gentle, kind and merciful way. And what Jesus is saying is, don't relegate me to the periphery, put me at the centre of your life. Put me at the centre of the relationships with your unchristian family. Put me at the centre of your relationships with your friendships, with your non-Christian friends, with those toxic friendships. Put me at the centre of your speech. Put me at the centre of your thoughts. Put me at the centre of what you're watching on the internet. Got it? Put me at the centre of your box sets. Put me at the centre of the music you're listening to. Put me at the centre of your world. Don't reserve me 
and bring me out like a best hat to be worn on a Sunday so that you can show people you love me. Show people you love me. You get it? Do you get it? This is what it's all about. So here we are, okay? Micah 6. Leave that up there, Lee, that's fine, but I'm going to read down to 6 as well from here, okay? Now, Micah, at this time, King Ahaz was in charge, okay? And he was a bit of a rotter. So what he had done was he had set up pagan idols in the temple of God, right? And he was so wicked, and this had been drip-feeding over time. Eventually, what he did was he nailed the temple doors shut to keep the prophets out, okay? Yeah. Oh, that is big stuff when you defile the temple of the living God like that, Okay? So he had brought in things that were not of God and had kept out the things that were of God. And at this time, Micah was writing. And Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah. So there was some big time profiteering going on here now. Not profiteering, prophesying. (laughs) Freudian slip, you decide what's right. I'm leaving it there with you. Okay. So Micah asks certain questions, okay? And the whole tenet of Micah this book is this sin will be judged and punished but your god loves you and desires you to repent and return to him that's what micah's all about micah's words god's words not my words if you wish to take it up with me later please do so and remember i'm wearing a plastic skirt and i'm getting a bit warm and i might yeah yeah Griselda thinks i look like a cupcake i choose to think he means sweet but I am getting a bit warm. And so if my temper goes, let's pray for me. Right, here we go. Stand up, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, O mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a charge against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you and Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, cancelled and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O man, what is good for you, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Hallelujah and amen. You see, God has done his bit. Right? Our belief as Christians is that he sent his one and only son for us to this world to die on a cross, sacrificed for our sins by his glorious resurrection. Yes? Amen. Come on. By his glorious resurrection, we enjoy the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. Amen. And he has done that for us. It is the unmerited favour of God in the lives of believers. There is nothing you can do to change it. It is a fixed thing. It is unchangeable. And God says, what have I done to you then? What have I done for you that you turn your back on me? Listen, don't be sitting around pontificating on my behalf. Don't be bringing me things that you can sacrifice before me. Don't be giving me all your gifts. This is what I want you to do. 
So when you sit down thinking, I don't know what the Lord wants from me. I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. What shall I do? What shall I ever do? God is saying three things. This is all I want you to do. I want you to act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Now, I ask you, and Matthew Henry very much asked the same things. Is that hard? Is he asking you to do, is he asking us to do anything that's difficult? That is a question, by the way. Is he asking us, this is harder than it looks, but it is absolutely doable if God says we can do it. Now, there are things in our lives that we think, I cannot stand in a place and do that, Andrea. And you know what I'm saying? If you love Jesus, yes, you can. Be empowered today. Be empowered by living God who desires you more than anything else. Got it? So right from there, before we focus down, and we are going to drill right down into the sixth there. Chapter six, I want us to pray. I want us to pray based on the worship that just happened and the communion that just happened. So close your eyes with me, church. Lord God, I pray. I pray and ask most humbly, Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit here today? Would you let your Holy Spirit descend here today, Lord, into the hearts and minds of us all, Lord, that we would learn from your word and accept your word, that unteachable hearts would be broken wide open, that the love of God will be shed abroad in our hearts to empower us and equip us and enable us to do what you require, most high God, for the glory of you and you alone. Lord God, I ask humbly, would you please send the Holy Spirit here today? Amen. Amen. Keep your heart open. Keep your heart open. There's nothing the enemy wants more than to stop the Holy Spirit filling you. Keep it wide open. Now, if you're thinking, Andrea, I don't understand a word you're saying. I don't understand any of this. I haven't read that bit of the Bible. Well, there are New Testament precedents, and we're going to talk about the word of Jesus, because Jesus fulfills all of this. When he comes, he said, you read Matthew, and he says, do you know what? I am the completion, the satisfaction and fulfillment of all the laws and prophets. You're looking at Jesus. So you don't have to worry about what every minor prophet says. You look at Jesus and see what he says. But this is what he says. This stuff matters. And there are certain moral duties as Christians it is upon us to keep, whether we like it or not. Because we, as humans, as Christians, don't get to decide what pleases the heart of God. God gets to decide what pleases the heart of God. Oh, Andrea, God sounds a bit selfish. Yes, and he's the only one allowed. Got it? You don't get to decide what my service should look like or whether I'm pleasing or displeasing God. You see, my heart is before God and that's up to God. He will deal with me. Okay, oh, Lord God, right? He will deal with all of us. So guard your hearts. Don't look at my heart and tell me what my heart should be or what you think my heart is, okay? And I won't do the same to you. That's up to God. We don't get to decide what pleases God. God gets to decide what pleases him, right? Excellent. And this is Matthew Henry, by the way. Matthew Henry wrote a commentary on the whole Bible, and it is amazing. So if you're ever doing a Bible study, get a commentary alongside it and just find out what some older, by older I mean like 400 years older, amazing men know, think about it. And he says there is a certain, there are moral duties that, we, that must be kept to please God. But also this, 
the reward isn't in after keeping them. Do you get it? We work very much in the 21st century about what our blessings are and how God's going to bless us. And if I do this, God's going to give me some payback. You know what? It's like money in the bank. Do you know what? I've just tithed. But boom, I'm waiting for my cash injection. I've just uh, done something. Oh, God's going to bless that. I just haven't gossiped. Oh, God must like that. No, no, no. Matthew said, yes, there is a blessing after you have kept his commandments. But the real blessing is in keeping his commandments. Do you get it? The blessing is God himself growing inside you. Do you understand? So our blessings are not the good things that happen to us. Those are the cherry on the cake, if you want to think about it like that. The blessing is in keeping his commandments. Got it? Keep that in mind. When you're doing something and saying, you know, God, I'm doing this, but God never does anything for me after. That's how the devil wants you to lead you into bitterness and resentment. That's how he wants to lead you into bitterness and resentment. But you, you are that extraordinary Christian that C.S. Lewis talks about. Okay? So when you are just keeping doing what God wants you to do, God's going, ah, look at my servant. Look at my servant. He called David a man after my own heart. (coughs) Why? Read the Psalms. David goes, I love your law. I love keeping your law. I love your precepts. I love your commandments. Not because he got to be king, but because the joy from walking with his God. So it's not about what we do after we've kept them. It's in the keeping of them. Yes? Amen. You're all amazing. Right. Here we go. And if you don't understand it, a lovely person in our church here who's homesick today. A lot of sickness in our church, isn't there? That is, come on. No, let's pray against that. Gail. Gail. Here's a glorious mention for you in dispatches. She lent me this book, okay, called Sermon on the Mount by Oswald Chambers. And I, I've, I haven't really, I've read a lot of it, but I keep going back to the foreword he wrote because it's just amazing. And he says this, if you don't understand the word of God, this was written before 1960, by the way. This was written in the 50s. And he says, if you don't understand what the Bible is saying, don't run to other sources to find out what the Bible is saying. Keep reading it and reading it, and reading it, and the sentence he used, and I'd love to pass this off at my own, but it's far too gorgeous, so I've got to give him credit. So Oswald Chambers says, read it, and read it, and read it, until it soaks through to the very consciousness of your soul. You don't have to worry about understanding every word in the Bible. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Okay? So when you've got the don't read and think, well, I don't get what you're saying. This is just words, and I don't know, and it doesn't mean anything. Read it, and read it, and read it, and read it until it's in your soul, and then God lovelyly, lovelyly locks it away in your head, and when you need that scripture, back it comes. Have you ever noticed that? You think, I didn't know I knew that verse in the Bible. Well, no, but you've been reading it, and reading it, and reading it, and God and the Holy Spirit kept it safe until such a time as you needed it, and brought it back to your memory. You don't have to understand it. What God is looking for is a heart that is open to it. And a spirit that will accept it. Okay, you got that? That's the introduction. Holy moly, I've got like five minutes to get through all the rest. No, I haven't. I might be a bit longer. Enjoy. No, I promise I won't be. I promise I won't be. Okay, so three acts are required. The first one, the first thing is to act justly. You'll notice we have to act, love and walk. These are all actions. These are all things we do. 
These are not things we keep for ourselves. These are not things we do in private. These are not things that we put to one side and say, well, I'm not actually doing anything, but I am walking just... You walk out justice in your everyday life. What does justice mean? Justice means you act with equality, with equity, with open-mindedness, lacking in dis- no discrimination. You lack a discriminatory spirit. You are open to people. You don't take sides. You are open to people. It is not ours to judge, friends. Understand? I told you this was challenging here this morning. When you act with justice and justly, you are putting God in charge. You are saying, it is not about right, it is not about wrong, it is about God. This is what I say when I mean, we don't get to decide what pleases the heart of God. We can't look at action and say, well, that's disgraceful. That's disgraceful and I'm never going to speak to them again. You've become a judge. You know what the Bible says about you when you judge? You know what the Bible says about me when I judge? If I judge, I'm judged. <laughs> I've been set free, church, as have you if you're a Christian. The second you judge, God says, you're out of my grace, I judge you now. You judge, I judge you. So when you act in justice, we're not judging people. And we're not saying what you're doing isn't pleasing the heart of God. But we act justly. If you're a pastor, you have to do it to protect your flock. If you're in any kind of leadership in a church, you do it to protect your flock. You know, the, the pastor's responsible for everyone on the bus, right? <laughs> you know? So he gets to safeguard all of us. There are certain things which may not sit comfortably with us. There are certain decisions that we may not understand. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You take it to him to discuss it. Are you understanding what I'm saying here today? Because when we act justly, very often that means keeping our mouths shut. No, it it does. It means keeping our lips buttoned. You know what? Because everything in you, when you feel an injustice has been done to you, requires vindication. That is the way your brain is wired, by the way. That is a biology in you. You can't help it. When somebody comes against me, and I want everyone to know what they've done, and why you should be on my side, and why I'm in the right, and I'm in the right, I'm in the right, I'm in the right. That is the way your brain is wired, and your brain will produce a chemical called nandrolone. Nandrolone is a hormone that makes you feel justified in doing what you're doing. It's a biological fact, but friends, we have the mind of Christ. Right? If you're a Christian, we have the mind of Christ. So what we say is, this has happened to me. Whatever your intention in doing it, God will work it for good. And you trust in him and his might and not your ability to sort it out for yourself. Now listen, I know things happened that hurt. I don't know half your stories here and it's none of my business. If you choose to share it with me, how lovely. But I know sometimes there are exes in the picture who love having a stir. Rise above it. There are toxic friendships who would love to drag you down. Rise above it. There are things in your life that just seem to just want to kick you in the teeth all the time. Rise above it. Because I'll tell you a little nugget of truth here. You will never make yourself look good if you are making somebody else look bad. Right? That, That is a truism. Okay? You will never, ultimately, no matter how satisfying it feels at the time, you will never 
make yourself look good. If you are too concerned with making somebody else look bad, leave that to God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Right? Romans 12, verse 9, up to 19. Read what God says about, don't you even think about revenge. You, you leave that with me, says God, and I'll sort that out. You may never see it in your lifetime. Okay? But the call upon us, Romans 12, 9 to 19, read it. The call upon us as Christians, a transforming life from the inside out, is to play blessing on those people. Blessing and not curse. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I will repay. This is what I require of you. You pray for them. Those who have despitefully used you, you pray for them. And you pray blessing on them and not curse. That... Hello, a different verse. That's okay. That is acting justly. Because you are saying, I defer to God my judge. I am his hands and feet on this earth. I am an instrument of justice. I am not a judge. Understand the difference? That is what the most high God requires of you. Moving on. Golly gosh. We are to love mercy. We are to love mercy. And do you know how much mercy you have? Answers from the floor. Endless. An endless, overflowing supply of God's mercies. Lamentations 23. The steadfast love of the God never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new when? Every morning. Every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. That's how much he loves you. You get a fresh supply every morning. You running out of mercy? Go to sleep. (laughs) go to sleep wake up with a new heart get up and go today i love mercy not the well i'm choosing to be merciful actually i love it i love the mercy that flows from all of you into my life by the way imagine if we lived in a world where anybody could just walk up to you and say what they wanted at any time how terrible a world would that be do you know what Let God stay your hand. Just because you can say it, don't say it. Just because you can act without mercy, don't act without mercy. You have a choice every step of the way where God says, do it my way. And look, look, I've sent the Holy Spirit. He can help you because it is hard. Yes, yes to be merciful all the time but mercy stands in a place which just goes do you know what the definition of mercy is right look it up in a dictionary it's brilliant it is withholding punishment from someone where you could easily meet it out that place that someone hasn't deserved mercy it is withholding punishment because you can even though you have the means to punish that's mercy You could tear someone down if you wanted. And the world might say, you've every right to. But mercy says, even though I can, I won't. That's mercy. That's what we are told to love. Not just like a bit, love. Lee, can we have the scripture up from Galatians? Would that be okay? Do you know, I sent Lee loads of scriptures this morning and love that I haven't put one up. Lee, you're amazing. So here we go. Mercy transforms. Where are we? Okay, 
those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. This is Paul writing to the church in Galatia. There'd been lots of compromise, right? About, oh, oh, you can't be proper Christians because you're not Jewish. And uh, if you are proper Christians, you have to be circumcised like what we were when we were babies. And then you'll be proper Christians and God will love you properly. And if you're not, then you're just really terrible. And we're going to treat you like second class citizens, blah, 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 blah. And Paul's going, hold on now. That's not true. Jesus Christ died for everyone. There is no Hebrew, there is no Gentile, there is no slave, there is no free, we're all one. Hallelujah. Like Paul, Paul's a man of the people, come on. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to be, compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Jesus. Now then, not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. We got them saved. We got them saved. Do you see how many people I brought to church? Do you see how many people I brought to church and you're telling me what I'm doing isn't good enough, Andrea? You don't understand how encouraging I am. You don't understand how people I'm saving. You don't understand. Well, if you're doing it in your flesh, God's going, hello. What about me? Yes, God's going, I never knew you. So think on for all of us. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Amen. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule to the God, to the Israel of God. Come on. You see, there is no one of this, one of that, this, that, the other. There are no factions in the church of Jesus Christ. There is mercy and love extended to all. Through who? Christ Jesus. Why? For the glory of God the Father. You getting it? So when you withhold mercy from someone, you are withholding the love of God himself. Do you see how serious this stuff is? When these are moral imperatives, yes, they are. These are my thing. Well, Andrew, it's not about morality. It's actually about... Listen to me. God has not told any one person anything more important than is in this Bible. This stands the test of time. What he is saying to all of us and speaking to our hearts is vitally important. Of course it is. But what he says in his Bible stands the test of time. His word will not return to him void. Do you understand? This is the power in you. So when you don't know what to do or what to say, you can go to this verse and go, ah, ah, ah. So this has happened to me. God, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? I remember Micah 6, 8. I will act justly. I will love mercy and I will walk humbly with my God. The love of mercy is key. Have you ever heard or are you familiar with the German word Schadenfreude? No. no. Well, church, allow me to elucidate it. Schadenfreude is a German word and it means taking delight in the suffering of others. It means enjoying watching people suffer. It means, now I don't mean like torture and stuff. It is that frisson you get inside when you hear that crush of yours has just split up with their girlfriend, like that, <laughs> dumped her. <laughs> that frees on inside when the person you have secretly been setting your mind against, to you, something goes wrong for them. See, how can God be with them? How can God be with them when that's happening to them? And loving it inside. Schadenfreude is a terrible thing, church. We all feel it because we're all human. There is something in all of us that wants to see that person who did that thing to us brought down. The world calls it karma. Yeah? Yeah, well, what comes around goes around. 
Nah. Friends. Church. That is not us. That is not us. We are not those people. We are not the ones who take delight in what happens to others if it's negative. We are not the ones who delight in people when we see them down in the dirt. We are the ones who lean down and lift their heads and say, Jesus loves you. We are the ones who come alongside and say, do you know what? It doesn't matter anymore. Are you okay? How can I help? We are the ones who look at the people who have despitefully used us and say, are you okay? Are you okay? We are the hands and feet of the Most High God, whose love for us, we've sung this morning, is relentless. So who are we to withhold that from other people? So God's love is relentless for me, or book of grief not for you? Oh, heavens above, no. You made a terrible error if you thought that. How does he show his love? Through his people. By their fruit, you shall know them. And part of the fruit is love. You must love mercy. We must love mercy and act accordingly, no schadenfreude, and to walk humbly. Do you know what humility is? Humility is knowing your position and knowing God's, and they are not interchangeable. Lee, can we quickly put up the, the, the scripture from Philippians, please? Philippians 2, Lee, sorry, I said, I said Lee, loads of stuff. She's marvellous. Echoing. Do you know a, a, a character in the Bible, a man from the Bible, you all heard of him, John the Baptist? Do you know when John the Baptist started his ministry, they were all going, oh my gosh, you're marvellous, you are. You are super duper. And uh, we were just wondering if you were that Messiah they were talking about. And he goes, don't you dare come here and compare me with him. I'm not worthy to kiss his feet. Actually, I'm not worthy to kiss his shoes. Actually, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes and take them off. Good grief. He's come in. He becomes more, I become less. How many of us flip that around? How many of us? Be honest, church, with yourself. This is a new year. Let's hit it headlong. How many of us think, I become more, everybody else must become less? And when you make everybody else less, you make Jesus less. Because he came for everyone. So what we do is we crush ourselves down. You see, John the Baptist got it. They were contemporaries. They were cousins. He got that actually... What your attitude has to be is like Jesus, who is the greatest example. Here we go. And this, get this in. This is one. Soak this into your spirit, everyone. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Ooh. Who being in very nature God. Who being in very nature God. Now listen, he didn't just come to earth as God in a man suit. He was a man. But he was God. He chose to humble himself to that. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him, amen, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Come on. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Dominion over everything. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, hallelujah. 
in your service, your attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. God forbid we should look at something that needs doing and think, I'm not doing that. I'm too good for that. That doesn't recognise my, you know, very specific skill set enough. Do you know what? If you bring your children to Mercy Church and you sit down and do craft to them, hallelujah, you are serving the Most High God. If you're making a cup of tea of the kitchen, you are serving the Most High God. Every time you move a chair in this place, you're doing it to the service of God, the Most High God. Your service doesn't have to be something where people are constantly affirming you and telling you how marvellous you are. You see, I am committed, committed to our young people to teach them and show them that I will never, ever, ever big up their gifts to the detriment of their character. I will never tell them, you're leaders, you're pastors, you're evangelists, and forget to tell them how to serve like Jesus did. It's not right. It's the wrong way around. You do what Jesus did. You love people. You love others. You give until you bleed. You give and you give and you give, and nobody might ever tell you thank you. And you might never get a chance to preach. And you may never get a chance to do something publicly, but by the word of his Bible and his son, he says, you are blessed. Do you get it? Do you get it? If you are waiting for somebody to pat you on the back and tell you how great you are, you've missed the whole point. You don't need other people telling you, well, aren't you super duper? Well, aren't you spitting your neck marvellous? Please, let never let anybody else do anything else. It must only be you up here from now on in the spotlight. If you were in a spot like where's Jesus? Come on, church. It is 2018. Let's change our mindset. Let's change everything. Let's call down the heavens and say, I don't want it, Jesus, if you're not in it. It's not about me being a pure just because I can be a pure. If I'm not telling you what's on Jesus' heart, it's all empty noise. Do you get it? That would be the, I, that is the last thing I want. This has to drip into our consciousness and soak through that you are loved by the Most High God and set apart for holy purpose. That does not mean fame and fortune and everyone calling out your name and loving you. In fact, if you're doing it right, they'll hate you. In fact, if you're doing it right, expect some kicks off people. In fact, if you're doing it right, don't expect people to thank you because they will hold their thanks because they're envious. If people are talking about you and don't like you, I suspect you're probably doing it right. Yeah? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what people have to say. You focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Your faith, friends. Your faith. You might never see it. You might never see what fruit your service brings. But serve nevertheless. Do you understand? You might never see the benefits yourself of acting justly, of loving mercy, and of walking humbly, because the circumstances of your will conspire to not show you. But by faith, friends, keep doing it, for there is a seed being planted, and there will be fruit. And if you don't see it, it doesn't matter. God knows. And he is what it's all about. You know what? What is required of us? Three things alone are required of Christians. Get this in your heart. Get this in your life. To act justly. To love, love mercy. And to walk humbly 
with your God. I pray the Holy Spirit and all of you here today that you would hear these words that God wants you to hear that they will go down deep into his marvellous soil and bear much fruit in your life. Church, I love you. I thank you for being my family. You are so good to me and mine. So good to me and mine. And 2018 is going to be marvellous. I just feel it. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.